Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, from the arts to sports and from business to history and everything in between, including your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're our favorite stories. And proof of that is our next story by Paul in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Let's take a listen to Paul's story, Wilbur and the Empty Nester. I met Wilbur in the senior home because I was bored. Like a lot of 50-something guys my age, I'm a man in transition. The kids have grown up and moved out. It's just the two of us again, Cindy and I. I'm missing the rush of activity that used to clog our house and hustle us on to the fields 
the ice rinks, and the gymnasiums that our kids and all their teammates used to inhabit. There must be something more I can do, I heard myself saying. I wanted to be more involved, more engaging, more invested. Volunteering seemed like the right fit for me. So one day, I drove to the senior home near my home in Shakopee, Minnesota. There was nothing formal about it. The staff allowed me to come once or twice a week. I didn't visit the residents in their rooms, but I hung out in the activity room and the cafeteria. I tried to meet some other lonely people. In other words, people like me, who needed new activities and new friends. Some were easy, some were tough. Wilbur was one of the hard ones. He was 89 years old back then. His wife had died 26 years earlier. In his prime, old Wilbur was a hardworking farmer on a farm near New Ulm, Minnesota, a small town southwest of Prior Lake. But that was then. Based on what he has told me, he lost the farm and all his money, and that was that. He didn't have a dime to his name. The government is paying for my stay at the senior home, he told me. In a way, I could feel his pain. So I just tried to make him laugh. That was tough duty. The senior home staff told me he was lonely. That was obvious. The activity staff said Wilbur had a reputation for being a bit on the grumpy side. Well, maybe more than a bit. But he warmed up to me as I sat and listened. At first, I had tried recruiting him to bingo night because I started helping with bingo on Monday nights. I was calling bingo some nights and playing games or visiting on the others. What do you think, Wilbur? Do you want to try bingo? But he told me no. He was never playing bingo again. When I asked him why, he said because he tried and he was yelled at and the players were mean to him. Oh, I said. I suspected people yelling and being mean might not be entirely accurate, but that was before my time as the bingo caller. I told him, don't worry, Wilbur, we'll have fun. I'll make sure you have a good time. He said, no thanks. That made me kind of mad. Being the stubborn German Catholic that I am, I took his rejection as a challenge. I was determined to get Wilbur to our weekly Monday night bingo game. Bingo is at seven o'clock sharp. The residents have dinner in their cafeteria at six o'clock. So I started showing up at 6.30, taking advantage of a captive audience, and I went to work on Wilbur. Each week, I asked him to join us. Each week, I kept getting turned down. Finally, one evening, my annoyance got the best of him. He said he would come and try just to get me off his back. I made sure he had a great time. I gave him some special attention, teasing him in a friendly way. I don't remember whether he actually won a game that night, but I do remember he told me he had fun. He said he would come again the next week. That was a big time victory, and I relished it. Wilbur was now coming every week, no begging needed. And he enjoyed it so much that he stayed after bingo when the room cleared out and just Wilbur and I remained. That gave us the opportunity to visit together before he went to his room for the night. We took time to talk about not just how the weather was, but also about how his day went, how his week was going, what life was like on the farm and how he missed all the hard work. I noticed how my regular visits and just listening to his stories made all the difference. The residents had bingo three times a week, but Wilbur would only come the night I'm calling. It sure would be nice to go to a drive to visit the old homestead, Wilbur said, but I wondered if such a trip would be too much. So I focused on assisted living week, the homecoming promo for lonely seniors. 
Assisted Living Week gave them a chance to do something special. It was a big deal. Games, special events, and an excuse to dress up. Every day there was a different theme, different things to wear. One day was dress up, one was a certain color, and after that was sports day. The residents were each to wear a sports themed shirt. Wilbur was not participating in these events, but with a nudge from a friendly staff member, I decided I'd take a chance. The night prior to sports day, a staff member texted me to see if I could bring a colorful jersey for Wilbur to wear, thinking that he might wear it if it came from me, his new friend. So I gave him Montana Grizzly shirt a try. I walked into the room, showed him the football jersey, and told him he could wear it tomorrow for sports day. But Wilbur said no, he was not going to participate. As I left for the night, I held out the Grizzlies jersey one more time, and wouldn't you know, he grumpily took it. But, he said as I left, I'm not going to wear it. But I knew better. I prayed that night for a minor miracle, and sure enough, God found a way to get Wilbur into that shirt. The next day, he wore the silver and maroon of the University of Montana Grizzlies, and I smiled. Last week, Wilbur was not at Bingo Monday night. The staff member could not say why, but I asked if it would be okay for me to go to his room and say hello. She said, sure. So I did something I had never done before. I went to visit Wilbur in his room. That's a big step for some people. The activity room in the cafeteria, that's neutral territory. Our room is pretty private. But I wanted to find him, so I walked through the senior home hallway to find him, and what do you know, there he was. Hey Wilbur, I said. I came to your room because I couldn't find you. I was concerned because you weren't at bingo last Monday. Yep, he said. I was in the hospital for four days. I was having trouble breathing. He told me how he had to dial 911, how an ambulance came and took him to emergency. He said they told him he almost died. I was relieved he was okay, and I told him he better not scare me like that again. And you've been listening to Paul, the empty nester, telling the story of Wilbur, his friend in an assisted living center. Paul lonely, Wilbur lonely, two lonely guys trying to pass the time, be companions in the journey of life. When we come back, more of Paul's story and Wilbur's here on Our American Stories. Here at Our American Stories, we bring you inspiring stories of history, sports, business, faith, and love. Stories from a great and beautiful country that need to be told. But we can't do it without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love our stories in America like we do, please go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the donate button. Give a little. Give a lot. Help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. we continue with our American stories and Paul and Wilbur's story. Now let's return to Paul and Wilbur's story. For an 89-year-old man, he was looking pretty good. He smiled and relaxed. We visited for a while in his room, and we were both more comfortable than we thought. Wilbur showed me pictures he had around his room, pictures of a young Wilbur and his wife, of his kids and grandkids. He was a strong young father, and his wife was beautiful. They had three children, great-looking kids. We had a wonderful talk. He showed me all the gadgets he got from the hospital, a machine he had blown to see how high he could make it go, 
proudly telling me he got up to 26 one time. When I left, he said he was very glad that I came, that he missed me on Monday. He said he's glad I come to see him because his own kids and grandkids don't. Our relationship is getting stronger, and now I've decided bingo is not enough for the two of us. I'm going to make sure and go visit Wilbur one or two other nights a week as well. A few months later, I had another twist to my relationship with Wilbur. I went to visit him, and once again he was not at the dinner table. I found out he had fallen the day before and was in the hospital, so I went to the hospital to see him. I hurt my shoulder, he said, but I didn't break it. I told him I was glad it wasn't broken. He said he fell trying to get up from the lunch table. I couldn't press the call button around my neck, he said, because I was flat on my belly and I couldn't move my arm. I was scared. Luckily, there were still two others in the room, so they pushed their buttons and he got the help he needed. We sat and talked for a long time that day there in the hospital room. We were comfortable together. We had moved from a cafeteria relationship to a visit in your room relationship, and now we were advancing up to a hospital visit relationship. While with him that day, the first nurse who came in said to me, I'm so glad you came. Wilbur has been hoping all day to have a visitor. The next nurse asked if I was a relative, and I said, no, just a friend. And Wilbur shouted out, a real good friend. It might have been one of the nicest compliments I had heard in a long time. When he said it, I was speechless. I didn't know Wilbur had it in him. When someone calls you a friend, that's one thing. But when Wilbur, who wouldn't come to bingo, who wouldn't take the sports jersey, who used to be just a little bit grumpy, shouts to one of the nurses and calls me a real good friend, well, that's about as good as it gets. It's a memory and a feeling I will never forget. It almost brought tears to my eyes. Almost, I said. Remember, I'm a stubborn German Catholic. We talked more that day. Without trying to pry too much, I learned that his daughter did come to visit him the first night, but he wished his two sons would show up. He said he called his boys, but they can't afford to come see him right then. I asked if they lived out of town. He said no, in a town about 50 miles away. To be fair, you're never quite sure why someone doesn't visit. There's probably more to the story. Maybe he was a little grumpy once too often, or maybe there's a dysfunction one way or the other. I decided I couldn't be sure of the real reason Wilbur's children stayed away, but that was not my business. My role was to love him. And I could be sure of this. Wilbur was lonely, and whenever I came, he was glad I came to see him, and I was glad I was there too. It made me wonder sometimes, who was more looking forward to our nighttime visits, me or Wilbur? And you know what? I think it was probably a draw. For me, Monday nights became the best night of my week, and I have a suspicion that my friend Wilbur would say the same. One day recently, when I came, I found that Wilbur was really bummed out. He was moving to the long-term side of the senior home the next day. You see, there's an assisted living side where you have an apartment and maintain some independence, and there is a side that's more like a hospital when you need more care and you can't be on your own anymore. It's always traumatic for the residents when they realize they can no longer be on their own and they have to move to the other side. I have to move, said Wilbur. That's going to be hard, I replied. I told him I'd come after work tomorrow and help him move some of his belongings to his new room if he wanted to do that. Not yet, he said. Let's wait. Wilbur was holding out hope. Maybe it wouldn't be permanent. Maybe the staff would let him back to assisted living. 
I don't know if that was realistic, but I knew I could be realistic enough to come back that night and see him and help him get through. Our visit that evening went well. We talked about life's ups and downs, twists and turns, and what it feels like to go from assisted living to long-term care. Not only did we talk about Wilbur's situation, but also about my life and my struggles. I'm a reserved person. I normally keep my thoughts and feelings to myself. Yet, for some reason that evening, it felt appropriate and even comforting to open up to my friend Wilbur. We're in this together, I said. I think these are the kinds of discussions close friends have, yet somehow this was new territory for me, and Wilbur was good to talk to. After visiting Wilbur on my way back to my car, I walked back through the senior home and saw my other good friend at the senior home, Natalia. She was out of her room playing solitaire, so I decided to say hello. Natalia is 98 years old, and she has told me she's going to make it to 100. She loves to play dominoes and taught me the game too. It's a lot of fun. Did you ever play? Natalia got so inspired thinking about it, she said, wait. She put down her cards and had me go to her room and grab the dominoes so we could play a few games right then and there. And we had a great time. Even though Natalia is on the long-term side of the home, I go to pick her up on bingo night in the assisted living area. There have been a couple of occasions where another volunteer has gone to get her for bingo and she has said something to the effect that, Paul usually does this, I'll wait for him. Sure enough, the volunteer left her and told me that Natalia was waiting. She always smiled when I came to get her, and that day, I smiled too. One day, I received news from one of the staff that Wilbur had taken a turn for the worse, and I should stop in to see him if I was able to. So, I went to visit Wilbur in his room right away. He was lying in his bed, comfortable but unconscious. Yes, Wilbur was dying. The grumpy man who had become my friend the one who started to love Bingo, the one who was in this together with me, a lonely man making a friend of a guy who used to be a bored empty nester. Old Wilbur was passing away. I was glad I could be there. Even though he couldn't talk, I just guessed that he could listen and he was listening, so I just talked to him like normal. I assumed he could hear every word, and I bet he did. Have I mentioned I'm a stubborn German Catholic? I said some prayers with him and talked to him and told him how much of a real good friend he was to me. There in that room of fading away life, I explained how I was so glad to get to know him and spend time with him and how he had a positive impact on my life. I don't know for sure whether he could hear me or not, but it felt good to have the opportunity to talk and say goodbye. I let him know I will miss him dearly. And I walked out of his room. Wilbur passed away peacefully the next day, but not before he was able to open up a piece of my heart and teach me about friendship in his own unique way. Can you imagine how much I would have missed out on if I had not started taking the drive to the senior home, if I had not tried to learn to call bingo on Monday nights? I'm learning a lot at that home, and I'm becoming a better person. I've learned how to become a better friend. I've learned how to share and how to listen. I've learned to find joy in simple things. I've learned how to slow down and how time spent visiting and talking can build lasting relationships. I've learned about living as well as dying. I've experienced sorrow and loss, yet at the same time experiencing joy in everlasting memories. This might be a bit selfish, but it didn't take me long to learn 
that I get as much or more out of volunteering than the residents do. But most of all, I've learned two things. Number one, you don't have to be bored. And number two, I've learned what it feels like and also what it takes to have a real good friend. And what a great story. And thanks to Paul in Minneapolis for sharing it with us, his friendship with Wilbur. I wanted to be more involved, more invested, he said when he started this story. Paul did. And so he drove to this senior home. And my goodness, it just changed his life. And having witnessed his friend say, you're a real good friend to other people. And what that did for Paul and Wilbur. I've learned a lot. I've learned to be a better friend. I've learned about living and dying. And the big two things, you don't have to be bored. And I learned how to be a friend. What a great story of friendship, of love, of a stranger. Paul's story here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash OAS. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OAS. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Turn to our American stories. Up next, a story about a heroine of the American Revolution. Her name was Dicey Langston, and she was the best little sister any brother could ever have. Here to tell her story is our regular contributor, Dennis Peterson. Take it away, Dennis. The pyramid shaped stone monument seems out of place in its location. The yard of a private residence on Tigerville Road, just north of Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. That nondescript pile of rocks with a bronze plaque on the front side at its base commemorates the life and brave actions of a great American heroine. Born Laodicea Langston on May 14, 1766, in the Lawrence District of the British Colony of South Carolina, she was called Dicey by her friends and family members. Her mother had died when Dicey was young, so she was reared by her father, Solomon Langston, and her older brothers. When the War for Independence erupted, her brothers left home to join the Patriot forces. Before they left, however, one brother, James, gave her a musket and instructed her to hide it until he came back for it. He later sent a comrade, Thomas Springfield, to retrieve it for him. Dicey immediately went to fetch it from its hiding place, but when she returned, she pointed it at the man and demanded that he give her the secret countersign that she and James had agreed upon earlier. She cocked the musket and pointed it at him. He quickly gave the countersign, and she surrendered the gun to him. She would see more of Springfield later. Although her brothers were away from home, their camp was only about 20 miles from the Langston farm, and they remained in contact with Dicey and helped instill in her a love for and devotion to the Patriot cause. Soon, British and Loyalist troops set up their own camp, not far from the Langston farm, and Dicey noted everything the Loyalists, also known as Tories, did there. 
She then relayed that information to her brothers, enabling the Patriot troops to foil many of the Tories' military plans. The Tories began to suspect that a spy was at work among or near them. Their plans were being discovered and foiled before they could set them in motion. Because of the proximity of the Langston farm to their encampment, they naturally suspected that Solomon Langston was that spy. They visited his farm and threatened severe consequences if they ever proved his guilt. To avoid that danger, Solomon then forbade any further efforts by Dicey to inform the Patriot forces of Tory activities. For a time, Dicey obeyed her father's instructions. But one day, she learned that a band of ruthless Tory outlaws known as the Bloody Scouts were planning to attack the Patriot force at Little Eden, where her brothers were encamped. The Scouts were led by a Tory named Bloody Bill Cunningham, and they were infamous for their ruthless cruelty in punishing families who favored the Patriot cause. She had to warn her brothers, even if it meant disobeying her father. But how? No one was available to send with the warning. She would have to go herself. Late that night, after her father and the servants had gone to bed, Dicey slipped from the house and began her journey on foot. To avoid discovery, she was forced to avoid all roads and go through wet fields and tangled forests in the darkness. The weather was cold and heavy rain was falling in a blowing wind. She had to cross several swollen, fast-flowing creeks, but then she came to the overflowing Inneree River. It was deep, the current was swift, and there was no bridge on which to cross the raging waters. The raging current swept her downstream, turning her around and around in the darkness before she was able to regain her footing and drag herself onto the opposite shore. She soon regained her bearings and resumed her errand to warn them of the Tories' impending attack. She reached the Patriot camp just as the men were returning from a mission. They were tired and hadn't eaten for quite some time. In spite of her own condition, Dicey built a fire and prepared meals for the soldiers. While she cooked, she told them of the Tories' planned surprise attack. They first ran to warn the Patriot farmers who lived nearby, and then they escaped to fight another day. Dicey, meanwhile, retraced her steps through the darkness and over the difficult terrain. She arrived home just in time to slip into dry clothes and begin fixing breakfast for her father before he arose. He never knew until later what had happened. Bloody Bill Cunningham and his scouts fell on the Patriot camp expecting to slaughter the Patriot troops. Instead, they found it deserted. They immediately suspected that Solomon Langston had warned the Patriots and were determined to kill him in retaliation. When they arrived at the Langston farm, they caught Solomon there. He, of course, truthfully denied having any knowledge of what they alleged he had done. When an angry Tory shoved a pistol into Solomon's chest, Dicey jumped between the two men, daring the Tory to shoot her. Apparently impressed by her bravery and audacity, or shamed by the prospect of shooting a defenseless woman, the Tories relented and left the farm without harming anyone. 
After the war, Dicey married Thomas Springfield. Yes, the man she had threatened to shoot when he came for her brother's gun. They moved to Traveler's Rest in Greenville County and reared a family of 22 children. After living a full life of 71 years, Dicey died on May 23, 1837, and was buried in the family plot behind their cabin. But Dicey's legacy lives on. Kept alive by the Daughters of the American Revolution, the City of Traveler's Rest, the Greenville County Council, and the Traveler's Rest Historical Society. It was of people of such courage and moral character as Dicey Langston that our nation was born. And a terrific job on the production by Monty Montgomery. And a special thanks to Dennis Peterson for sharing the story of Dicey Langston with our audience. And by the way, it's a remarkable thing to tell and hear stories about the Revolutionary War because the deeper we get, the more we realize it was our first civil war. We had Americans fighting against Americans, Americans risking their life at the risk of other Americans finding out what other Americans had done. Loyalists on one side, patriots on the other. And one-third of the country was for the patriots, one-third was against. And roughly one-third were probably hiding under their beds hoping it would pass over. So the idea that America has never been more divided than now, well, not true, and America has survived so much worse than anything we think may be going on now. And by the way, to find our podcasts or search for our podcasts, all the work we do here on Our American Stories, go to the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The story of Dicey Langston, a revolutionary heroine, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. 
will be a match, I promise. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Our American Stories, and up next, a listener's story from KWKC, 1340 AM in Abilene, Texas. Shay Moore is a retired history teacher who's known for his fascinating and humorous presentations about his own city's history. And today, Jay brings us a story from the area. It's a deeply personal one about his grandma. Here's Jay. It was after my grandmother had passed away that I realized just how deeply her lack of education embarrassed her. I think it was a secret shame that she carried. In her naughty pine panel den, there were bookshelves that were filled with hardback books. That was the room that she used the most, watching her soap operas or crocheting, working a jigsaw puzzle, visiting with family members. But I never one time saw her with one of those books in her lap. Following her death in 1992, it was my dad who came to own the contents of those bookshelves. And so one day I sat down to look over the books and see if there were any that I might enjoy reading. The first book I picked up was the historical fiction of Catherine Marshall that was titled Christie. On the first page, I saw in my grandmother's familiar handwriting that she had written this. This is one of the best books that I have read. For that reason alone, I thought I might like to read it as well, and I started a stack to take to my car. Picking up another book, 
I noticed the same handwritten notation in a 50s era novel. Ditto for the third book and the fourth book and really nearly all the rest. It seemed odd that she would record such thoughts as though she herself might one day pick the book back up and be reminded that it was worth reading. But it slowly dawned on me. She was not writing introspective analysis nor trying to convey the quality to a future reader who might pick the book from her shelf. She wrote comments in the front of books she never read because her elementary level education shamed her to write those fake reactions. She wrote them to throw others off the scent. When Granny was 14, she took a trip west from her home near Waco, Texas, to visit her family in Runnels County, which was about 120 miles west. On that trip, she met a neighbor of her relatives who was nine years older and who would become my grandfather. The following fall in 1923, they were married. Granny was 15 and my granddad was 24. They lived in a two-room board and batten house that my granddad built on some land that his parents had given to him so that he could farm. It was in that house that Granny gave birth at age 16. I never knew if a doctor or even a neighbor was available to help with the birth, but in the end, the baby girl was dead. A small box was fashioned to serve as a coffin, and my grandfather, alone, took the box to the cemetery east of Winters, Texas. He placed the child in the earth next to another infant. That infant was his own brother, who also had died at birth. So he buried his daughter to the side of his own brother. Sixteen is young to be a mother, much less one who is grieving. And I wondered just how my grandmother coped inside that little house. By the time she was 18, she had a healthy baby boy, followed by five more sons. When I was growing up, we were often at Granny and Granddaddy's house. Upstairs at the end of their hall was my grandfather's office. On the wall was a large framed family tree that a draftsman friend had drawn for him. It was comforting to see the generations diagrammed in the logic of family connections. Their sons were the branches and my dad was near the tree's middle. But it was the first branch, the one down low, that was intriguing to me. A very short branch that was just labeled infant. My grandfather died in 1985, and in just a short time, my grandmother's sons had convinced her to sell the house that she had lived in for 35 years and to disseminate all the furniture and the dishes and the family tree. She moved to a smaller house, but before long, she moved from there to a nursing home when she was 84. During those days of her living in just one room with commercial furniture and a view of an empty field, I stopped by several times each week, and my grandmother and I had conversations. Some of them were short, but others were long enough that by the end she had fallen asleep. We discussed our family, church, what was happening in the news. I don't recall how it was, but on one visit, we talked about that family tree, and I brought up that lowest branch. Granny told me the story of the unnamed baby girl and the burial and those difficult days that she went through so long ago. 
She bemoaned that she had never visited the grave, and now she couldn't even remember the name of the cemetery and was only vaguely familiar with its location somewhere east of Winters, Texas. But she knew a woman still living in Winters who would know, and I sensed that she was asking me to go on a mission for her. That is how I came to drive 40 miles south from my house to pick up Leona Billups one day at her small home. Leona had known my grandparents for most of her life. She had me drive east on a farm-to-market road, and she told me of the one-time community known as Truett. The one-room school community was long gone, and really the only remnant was the Truett Cemetery. Finally, we came across a green sign pointing to Truett Cemetery, although it was actually pointing at a gate into a farmer's field. And since it was raining, we didn't go any farther. The next day I went to see Granny, caught her up on Leona's life and all about her family. And I told her that I knew the approximate location of the cemetery, but that I would have to go back and open the gate and drive down the rutted path. Granny told me then that her infant daughter was buried beside the other baby, my granddad's brother. But she said she was not even sure if that grave was marked. On my second trip south, I took a friend. We arrived at the gate opposite the Truett Cemetery sign. We drove slowly through the tall grass between tire ruts before coming to a second gate. Soon, we saw a fence at the end of the half-mile path. The fence surrounded a square plot of land with a wide silver gate that had welded metal letters spelling out Truett on top. And just inside the gate were some headstones that were visible, but others were far back among cactus and yuccas and grass that seemed prime real estate for snakes. And we hadn't brought anything like hoes or shovels to hack at that growth or to ward off reptiles. I stepped in to begin a hunt for a headstone I was not sure even existed. The markers were spread far apart and there was no evidence of any row or path like there is in most cemeteries. I gingerly stepped over cactus and cautiously examined the etched stones to see if there was one with my last name. Towards the back corner, I used my heel to push over a yucca growing right next to a small stone, and behind the plant was a weathered inscription cut into a sandstone marker, reading, Infant Son of D.S. and M.F. Moore, Daniel Spurgeon and Mary Francis, my great-grandparents, the grave of my granddad's brother. A smile of relief came, for there was the spot where my grandfather had laid his daughter nearly 70 years before. The next day, seated by Granny's bed, I watched her face register a strange relief. An 84-year-old mother who had never forgotten a daughter, who had never breathed life. Granny had finally found the child that she had given birth to when she was just 16. A few days later, she told me that she had decided to put a marker on the grave, and she asked me to go to the monument company to choose one and to pick one similar in size to the one marking the adjoining grave. She said that she wanted the marker to have a lamb on it, and she had decided on a name for her infant daughter. The name was Dixie Lee. Dixie was my granny's name, and so I asked, for you? No, she said. Dixie Lee was the name of Bing Crosby's wife, 
and I always liked her. A few weeks later, I returned to Truett Cemetery, followed by a truck from the Monument Company. But because I was not sure on which side Dixie Lee was buried, my grandmother had told me to just choose one. I chose the north side, putting her that much closer to her mother. For the past 30 summers, I have returned to Truett Cemetery and to the grave of Dixie Lee. And there I've cleared the growth and smoothed the ground, marking the site of Granny's never forgotten child. My grandmother, Dixie Moore, died only a few months after she found her daughter. And my goodness, what a beautiful story. And a special thanks to Jay Moore. And a special thanks to Robbie for doing a beautiful job on the production. Jay Moore's story, his grandmother's story, a beautiful family story here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth no matter who you are. Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.